Right. Good morning, everyone. How is everybody? Cold? Everybody's <laughs> cold. Thank you for braving the cold, man. It was negative 10 degrees Fahrenheit this morning when I left the house, and it, that doesn't include the wind chill factor, uh, which made it much colder. Thank you all for braving the cold to be here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Our friends online, our church online friends, peeps, glad that you are here with us. Uh, I'm Lee. I'm the lead pastor here at Mercy Vineyard Church, and I'm glad to have you all here. Glad to see you all. Uh, let's go ahead and put our vision statement on the screen and say it together. We are living a passionate mission to love grow and go for the greater glory of God. That is what Mercy Vineyard is all about. We're a church on mission. We're loving Jesus. We're loving each other. You know, the thing about loving that I've learned in my 50 years now on the planet is that loving is uh, not something that you just know how to do. You would think that loving would be like, oh, yeah, we all know how to love. I grew up in a loving family, whatever, you know what I'm saying? But I feel like I am, I'm always learning how to love. I'm gaining an education on loving. Because, listen, if y'all knew all there was to know about love, y'all would be better at loving, right? I mean, we just, we'd, have, we'd have healthy marriages. We, you know, our churches would be always just flourishing. We wouldn't have war. We wouldn't, I mean, just, it would just, we would be better at loving, right? We wouldn't have poverty, you know, all these things. And so I feel like loving is, I, I, you know, it's, we should all be growing in, in being better at loving, right? So that's my prayer for me and my prayer for you, that we all get better at loving. We're loving Jesus. We're loving each other. We're growing in Christ. We're going. We're serving him. And so... I'm so excited. I'm so, you know what I'm excited? I know it's only February, but I'm already excited for camp this year. I'm so excited for, like, I don't know. I'm just, like, I'm pumped about, you know, Royal Family Kids Camp 2021. And just, it's just, I am. That's just me. So uh, how many people have kind of, like, you know, done some of the homework over the last four weeks of our series? Yes, and and. And you, have you learned anything, or at least have, have you found like you got yourself like a, I don't even know what to call it, just a lighthouse out there or, or some sort of, you know, a map. Are you feeling maybe a greater sense of hope about your life through it? Anybody? Yeah? And, you know, when you start to kind of write these things down, you start to go, this is the vision. This is where I'm going. At the end of my life, this is what I want, you know. Uh, and sometimes it's even taking your greatest fear and like flipping it and turning it into a vision. Has anybody done that in the, in the homework? No? Okay. So here's what I mean by that. You want to know what one of my greatest fears is? At the end of my life, nothing will have happened because of it. That's, that's literally that's one of my greatest fears. At my funeral, at the end of my life, I will not have made an impact on anybody. I will have not left anything behind, you know, anything behind for people to, to grow from and be blessed by. That at, the, at the end of my life, at the, at the end of it all, I will have made no difference. There would have been no difference, you know, whether I was on the planet or not. And so, you know, so in a way, you know, my vision is taking that fear and flipping it on its head and saying, at the end of my life, this is what happened. This, this is the results of my life. People are living out God's best for their life because I walked on this planet for 120 years. Uh, 
hopefully. <laughs> we'll see. But uh, anyway, so hopefully all were blessed by that. This morning, though, we're actually starting a new series, and it's called Hope Dealers. And uh, we're looking at ways that can, we can reach our neighbors and reach the people around us. And so uh, I know it's been out for a while. We're actually drawing pretty deeply from a book called The Art of Neighboring by Jay Pathak. So if you're like, ah, I want to go a little further in this, I want to read, because, uh, you know, in three weeks, you can only just barely scratch the surface. So if you're thinking, I want to be a better neighbor, I want to be able to reach the people that live around me, grab it. It's a great book. It's a great book. So feel free to grab that and uh, play along at home, but uh, explore a little further. So I'm going to be real honest with you for a second here. I'm not always the best neighbor. I know you all are probably great neighbors. You all are probably like the best neighbors, right? I'm not always a great, I mean, okay, so don't get me wrong. I take decent care of the lawn. It's not like, oh, I'm an embarrassment to the neighborhood. I take okay care of the lawn. Although, if any of you knew us or came to our house when we first bought the house, you would know that our lawn doesn't look a fraction as good as it did when we first bought it. I mean, we first bought the house. We had a pond in the backyard. With, with, it was a koi pond. And then we had actually another smaller pond with a fountain, you know, like, like a waterfall. And it was beautiful. I mean, it was a garden paradise. And, and we have successfully killed off so much of it over the last eight years. And I remember it was, yeah winning. Uh, so like two weeks, um, two weeks after we bought the house, something like that, when everything still looked beautiful. I remember having this, this little moment. It was probably in May because we moved in the house in May. It was beautiful spring. And a friend of ours, we used to make an exchange where I took care of a website and in exchange, she did house call massages. And so I remember that one day in May, she brought her table out onto the back porch with the waterfall running and the fish and the birds singing, and it was a beautiful, sunny spring day. And she worked on me for an hour, and I'm just like, wow, this is wonderful. And like, if that happened now, I'd be like, can we go inside? (laughs) Bugs are really bothering me out here. It's not so much, you know? So... Anyway, I'm a decent neighbor in that way. At least we mow the lawn, or my son does, and uh, we take care of it. We get out there and whack the weeds once a year, so. But we're an okay, you know, we don't play loud music. We don't play, like, loud music with the windows open. We don't do that. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't take the leaf blower and kind of blow the leaves into the neighbor's yard. Um, nothing like that happens. We don't, yeah, Hudson says he does that. So... Uh, we don't take the grass clippings. We don't make sure all the glass, grass clippings go into the street. Don't you hate it when people do that? It's just all the grass clippings in the street. We don't do that. So we're decent that way. Uh, if I'm going for a walk, which I, I, I walk around the neighborhood often, I'll pick up trash if I see it laying around because, hey, it's my neighborhood, right? I want to make sure it's clean. I want to be a blessing to the neighbors. I also pray for our neighbors when I walk by, you know, their houses, the ones that I know, and I pray for them. Um, here's the problem. Here's why I feel like I'm not such a great neighbor. Is I've, I've never really kind of gone out of my way to get to know the people around me. I'm sort of like I'm on course with my life, and I'm doing what I do. And, you know, uh, I'm not the type of guy to, like, you know, see my neighbor with his garage door open and go, hey, neighbor, what you working on, you know? Uh, I, don't, I don't do that. I just I don't, I don't go out of my way. Um, 
I know some of my neighbors' names, um, but not, not a whole lot of them. Uh, in fact, we had a neighbor move into uh, the house to the left of us about two years ago, and I still don't know their names. So I knew the last guy's name, but, you know, I don't, he went and moved out of the country, I think. So, but I don't know them. And here's the thing, is if we're ever going to actually kind of bring hope to the world around us, we should probably get to know the people around us. We should probably get to know, maybe get to know their names. Maybe get to know their stories a little bit. Get to know them a little bit. And, you know, maybe you're like me in this. Maybe, maybe you like to, you, you know, kind of give hope from afar. I pray for them. I'll, I'll drop a bag of cookies off on their porch on Christmas Eve or whatever, which, you know, I've done that. You know, but you kind of like to give hope from afar. And we live in, uh, we live in a country, in a, in, a, in a culture, where we are very isolated. Very, 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 very isolated. I hate to sound like an old man, but I turned 50 this year, so I can say things like this. Uh, growing up, we knew our neighbors. Like, do you guys remember when you were kids and you knew all the neighbor kids? And you went and played with your neighbor kids? And you, you know, you, you rode bikes together, or you went over to each other's houses, and you played video games together, and you kind of knew your neighbors. But as we kind of, we got older, we became more isolated, and now we spend a lot of our time kind of looking at our screens, or just kind of working, or just, just focused on whatever it is that we're thinking about, and not so much neighbor conscious, neighbor cognizant, is that the word I'm looking for, right? And maybe when you think about, you know, bringing hope to your neighbors, it makes you a little tired, <laughs> right? I think a lot of times we don't neglect things simply because, you know, we don't like our neighbors or whatever, but we neglect a lot of things simply because we're tired, right? Or sometimes we're scared. I don't know about those people over there. They let their dog out, and their dog attacked me, and I fell off my bike, you know? You know our neighbors, sometimes we're kind of, our neighbors freak us out a little bit, or, or maybe our neighbors scare us a little bit. And it scares us to think about going to get, you know, to know our neighbors. And, and so, you know, if that's you, I hope over the next three weeks, you know, we learn to become better neighbors. Because I believe that Jesus wants us to become better neighbors. Jesus wants us to be good neighbors. And that's how we bring hope. And when we look at scripture, we see actually it's a lot more important than just sort of this thing that we, you know, maybe could talk about at church. In fact, maybe we should talk about it more. But uh, God wants, and, and he desires, and he always has for us to bring hope to our world. And so I believe that this neighboring topic is near and dear to him. And so, uh, so today, for the next two weeks, we're going to be doing that. But first, hey, real quick, guys, before we read our scripture today, let's pray. God, I love you so much, and I thank you. I thank you, Lord. Uh, Lord, you, uh, you choose us. You choose the church, God, to... Uh, bring hope to the world, to expand your kingdom. And so, Lord, I pray that you let your word bring transformation in us and transformation, God, uh, in our church, in our lives, in our neighborhoods. And we love you so much, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're going to start off. We're going to read the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. And in case you're wondering, y'all, everybody is pretty familiar here with the Great Commission, right? When Jesus said to go and to make disciples, to go to the ends of the earth, to make disciples. 
teaching them to obey my commandments. That was Jesus' great commission. But, you know, we don't talk a whole lot about Jesus' great commandment. And so we're going to start off talking about the great commandment today. And here Jesus is being asked. He's being asked by a Jewish expert on religious law. Isn't that crazy? You know, we don't have a whole lot of experts on religious law these days, do we? You know, it's not as popular, I guess, as it was back then. It seems like you look in the Bible and Jesus is always being confronted by experts of religious law. And today I think we kind of have, you know, maybe uh, scholars or whatever, you know, but uh, this scholar, this, this expert on law asked Jesus, you know, about the great commandment. He says, one of the, it says, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to, you know, Jesus debating. It's, he said he realized that Jesus had answered well, and so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel. I love that Jesus, like, stops, and, and before he says what he's going to say, he actually goes, listen. Listen, O Israel. <laughs> so I should start saying that. Listen, Mercy Vineyard. This is important. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. No other commandment is greater than these. And so, this is, this, our main point today is a hard pill to swallow. But it's this. Loving your neighbor is just as important as loving God. I don't know about you, but the silence in the room kind of tells me that you might be feeling at least as much convicted as I am by that statement. I feel a great deal of conviction when I read that statement, when Jesus says that loving your neighbor is just as important as loving God. Because loving God is kind of easy, right? I have a lot of gratitude. I have a lot of fondness. I have a lot of devotion. I have loads of love for God. But you know what? For my neighbor... They're okay. They're so-so. You know? And, and, and we're passionate, and we show that. We come, and we worship God, and we give, and we serve God. But our neighbor, eh, you know. I definitely fail at loving my neighbors as I love myself. Uh, but here's what I've learned. That when I'm doing really well with the first part, when I'm doing really well with loving God, and I mean really well with loving God. I don't mean, you know, uh, checking the boxes. I don't mean kind of hitting the marks or measuring up. I don't mean that. I mean when I'm really doing well with loving God, and our relationship is thriving. My relationship with Jesus is thriving. When I'm doing that, and I mean real love, and I don't mean just warm, sentimental feelings towards God. When I'm really doing well at loving God, then loving others comes really easy comes much, 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 much easier. Much easier. And so, I want to break this down a little bit. And, and how do we bring hope to the people around us? Okay? And the first thing is this. As we're talking this, uh, the, through this series, when I'm talking about our neighbors, I'm talking about the people that live nearest you. So I really want to establish that. 
I'm talking about the people that live next door, the people that live across the street, the guy that lives behind you who never cleans up his dog poop, right? I'm talking about our neighbors that live closest to us. And I know that Jesus goes on and he tells a story. He tells about the Good Samaritan. And he says that he's the neighbor to the man who was robbed and beaten. And he was, you know, he was right based on the way that he showed love to like his fellow man. But in the context of this series over the next three weeks, I'm talking about the people that live around you. We're going to talk about dealing hope to the people who live on either side of you. And here's why. Because a lot of times when we go, hey, Every man's my neighbor, right? Anybody ever think, hey, bro, hey, bro, every man's my neighbor. doesn't matter. I don't discriminate. They're all my neighbors. Why don't we just get along? When we do that, a lot of times is, is that when everyone is our neighbor, we end up being neighbors to no one. When we don't, and, and that's kind of why, like, when we talk about the, over the last four weeks, writing things down and being very specific about our lives, because when we live in generalizations, we don't do anything. But when we live in specifics, we accomplish things. And so when I talk about our neighbors, we're talking about specifically the people around you, because if we, we consider our neighbors in generalizations, we don't do anything. We just don't, okay? And I don't know, that's just the way our minds work, Okay? And so the transformation of our communities begins with getting to know the people who live closest to us. If you want to transform your community, get to know the people who live closest to you. That's why the first thing that we did when we became, we established a church right here is we went out and we, we raked yards of all the people that lived in this neighborhood. And we stood in the streets and we talked with them and we heard their stories and we learned their names. It was the first thing that we did when we moved into this neighborhood. That's why we do community on a mission day. And we walk around and we pick up their trash and we just get to know them and we get to meet them. And we know, I mean, that's, y'all know Jen Calkins, who's here every week except for today. <laughs> so she lives like three doors down. You know, she's in our neighborhood. Uh, Kathy Lyle just lives down the street within walking distance. And she came to this church because she heard about us, Don Boney. Because we, have a, we actually have a neighborhood, I don't know if you guys know this, but we actually have a, uh, an Old Town Neighborhood Facebook group. And we, at one point in time, we sent out uh, hundreds of postcards to everybody living in Old Town Moline. And we invited them to the Facebook group so that we can learn their names, so that we can get to know them, so that we can find out what the needs are in the neighborhood. So it's important that we learn the names of the people around us, get to know the people you know, who are closest to us. And when we look at our neighborhoods and we get to know the people, we can ask, what problems do I see here in my neighborhood that I could be a part of the solution? What do I see in my neighborhood that I could be a part of the solution? And you can do that in your neighborhood, in your street. What problems do you have on your street where you can be a part of the solution? Maybe it's, you know what, there, I don't know about you guys, but it seems like every neighborhood has a house where there's always like five kids over there, ten kids, and there's bikes in the yard, and, there, and it's always a mess, and you, you always go, I always wonder what's happening at that house, right? You're doing that. And so, like, uh, it's, it's those things happen around you, and you begin to learn, you know, the needs, the needs. What are the problems I see, and how can I be a part of the solution? And the first thing is this, and it's so important. It's kind of what I was just talking about with the house full of kids. But beware of making negative assumptions about your neighbors. 
If you want to, if you want to love your neighbors, if you want to show the love of Christ, if you want to make a difference, the first thing is this. Just don't make negative assumptions about them. Don't assume that because there's a house that's always got like five, ten kids and lots of bikes and lots of noise that the parents just don't care. Right? Because that's what we do. Isn't that like our first assumption? The parents don't care what's going on over there. Who knows what they're doing? They're probably dealing drugs. Right? We start making negative assumptions about our neighbors. And that is, you know, we tend to judge others based on what we see, don't we? So we, we look at our neighbors, we tend to judge them on what we see, but we judge ourselves on our intentions, right? We always do that. We judge others on what we see, we judge others by the actions we see, but for ourselves, oh, but you don't know me. My intentions were this or that. But that's not following Jesus' command to love others as we love ourselves. Because if we love others as we love ourselves, then we'll judge others the way we judge ourselves on our intentions, not on kind of what we see. And, you know, it's so easy. And I think part of this, and he, I'm going to share just some, another something a little personal. I have, I, have, uh, I have weaned myself way, 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 way back from Facebook. And do you want to know one of the positive residual side effects? I have found myself being less judgmental. Wow, go figure. Without all that rage porn filling my eyes every day, I become a little less judgmental. Okay? And so it's so important. If we're going to love others as Jesus loves, then we will judge that way. We won't judge harshly. And we've all probably made assumptions, again, about the neighbor who has a broken down car in the driveway. Does anybody here have a neighbor with a broken down car in the driveway or yard? How many here, you are that neighbor? Okay. <laughs> right? You know, they got the broken down car in the driveway or in the yard. The yard, the yard is just totally overgrown and unkempt. And, and, and we all get upset that that lazy slob, you know, is over there. And we don't understand how they can live that way. Those hillbillies, those troglodytes, those filthy, filthy Philistines. And they're over there and they're living that way. And then we discover, oh, Oh, well, that's a single mother who's taking care of her ill father who has to work two jobs. And that's kind of why things look that way over there. And then we go, wow, I'm kind of an a-hole. <laughs> you know, right? I, I judged kind of harshly there. And so, uh, don't, you know, just refuse to make negative assumptions about your neighborhoods, about your neighbors. Negative assumptions, what they do is they just keep us from getting to know our neighbors. We've judged them. We don't need to get to know them. I'm going to move on, right? And so negative assumptions, they keep us from getting to know our neighbors. They keep us in our isolation. And it's important to ask ourselves, what good things might happen if I dropped my assumptions and got to know the people in my neighborhood and they got to know me. Let me read that again, because I just want you to take 10 seconds to think about that. What good things might happen if I dropped my assumptions and got to know the people in my neighborhood, and they got to know me? What good things might happen? I think some really cool things would happen. I think, first of all, I mean... You know, at the very least, wouldn't it be awesome 
to live surrounded by your good friends, <laughs> right? You wouldn't have to be like telling your buddies every time a house opened up in your neighborhood because your buddies would be living near you, right? Wouldn't that be great? The majority of issues that our neighborhoods face could be eliminated or at least drastically reduced if we just figured out a way to become a community of great neighbors. If we just figured out a way, how could we become a community of great neighbors? How could, you know, how could we have that relationship? I'll be honest with you, I don't know any of my neighbors' phone numbers. If I wanted to reach out to my neighbor to my left, I would probably have to reach out on Facebook through our little HOA you know, Facebook group. You know, I wouldn't know how. Or, or, or I'd have to walk across you know, the yard, which I ain't doing that. It's cold outside. Uh, <laughs> right? But the majority of the issues in our neighborhoods could be eliminated if we just became great neighbors. If we just became great neighbors. And so the last thing is this. Love the way that God does and put your love into action. Love the way that God does and put your love into action. It's important because you know what? Love without action is just like, that's like sentimentality. Love without action is just sort of warm feelings, fuzzy feelings. Could you imagine if, you know, our marriages were just simply based on fuzzy feelings, right? And not on action, not on commitment, not on, you know, actual love. I don't think a single marriage would last more than like 18 months, you know, because eventually you don't feel so warm and fuzzy. Eventually you get in an argument. Eventually, you know, you, you, you fall back on your French. That's what, what are the, one of the reasons I, I love that I married my best friend is because, is it always super romantic between us, honey? Is it always champagne and roses and chocolates? When was the last time we had any of those three things? <laughs> champagne, roses, or chocolate together. I can't even remember, you know? And eventually, you fall back and you go, what? But we have a commitment, and we love each other, and we're friends. And it's about putting love into action. And here's the thing about putting love into action to our neighbors. It requires two things. If you're going to love your neighbors, it's going to require, number one, flexibility. Flexibility. We all got stuff to do. We all, you know, all of us have things to do. And we need to learn to become flexible and let the Holy Spirit interrupt our agenda once in a while. Let the Holy Spirit interrupt our, our plans and what we have to do and what we're going to do next. And the other thing is it requires, it requires compassion. It requires compassion. It requires flexibility in, and compassion if we're going to put our love into action, especially to our neighbors. And it's so easy to come up with excuses why we can't fit neighboring into our lives. It really is. I'm too busy. And you know what? I am busy. We're all busy. We wear busy around here like a badge of honor, right? Everybody's busy. Or here's the other one that we hear in this, this, this day and age. <sighs> Y'all ready for this one? The big excuse why we don't do crap? I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert, can't do that. Can't get to know my neighbors. I'm an introvert, can't serve there. I'm an introvert. Enough with the introvert, okay? Enough, enough. Because I can't, I can't imagine Jesus ever saying to his disciples, that's okay, you're an introvert, you better just stay over there. You know what, go do by yourself. You just go pray for these people. You don't need to touch them. You don't need to be in their lives. No. 
Because here's the thing, the, 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 the great commandment is not temperament-based. In fact, in fact, if you look through Scripture, there's very little in there at all that you'll ever find that goes, hey, you do what aligns with your temperament, okay? You do, if you're an introvert, you do this. If you're an extrovert, you do that. No. I mean, even Moses delivered the Israelites. A guy could barely string two sentences together, Right? And, and so it's not based on our temperament. We all have those things. I'm too busy. I'm an introvert. My neighbors are weird. Right? My neighbors are weird. Okay? All right? Maybe you're the weird neighbor. Maybe you're the weird neighbor. You ever think about that one? Maybe you're the strange neighbor. Okay? If you don't have any weird neighbors, you're probably it. And if all of your neighbors are weird, like if you're like, oh, no, all my neighbors are weird, then you're definitely it. Okay? And so uh, maybe you're the weird neighbor, you don't know it. And if we're going to fulfill the great commandment, we need to adjust our thinking from I can't to how can I accommodate. From I can't to how can I accommodate. So important. And the thing that set the good Samaritan apart from those who refused to help the wounded man on the road was that he was willing to let his plans be interrupted and he stopped to do something. He stopped to do something. That's love. Because you know what? Love does. And so I'll be honest with you, like all of this, through this book and through this series, it's very convicting to me. This is something that, you know, that God is really challenging me on because I've used all these excuses, right? I, I, I'm an introvert. I want to be left alone. I'm busy. All those things. I've used all these things. And so this morning, I just want to close with two questions. First, first question is this. What are the names of the four neighbors nearest to your house? What are the names of the four neighbors nearest to your house? Whoo! Because to love someone, it helps to know their names. To love someone, it helps to know their names. I know a couple. I know a, I know a couple, but I need to know more. I need to know more. I know like three. I need, to get, I, I need to know more. If you know their names, here's what I want you to do over the next few weeks, as I want you to begin to pray for opportunities to develop a friendship with them. Just pray for opportunities. You happen to be outside at the same time. You happen to, you know, both be taking the trash out at the same time. To begin to pray, God, show me opportunities. I made an extra pie. Let me bring it over. Do you guys remember back during the day? My mom used to make an extra pie. She would make a pie for the family, and she'd bake an extra one to give away. And so just, you know, pray for opportunities to develop a friendship with your neighbors. And look for an opportunity to introduce yourself. To introduce yourself. Okay? So that's it. That's it. What are the opportunities? And so the worship team, you guys want to come back. Let me just say a prayer. God, I pray that you would speak to us on this issue of neighboring. I know that we're busy. I know it's cold outside, God. I know we all have reasons why we just don't have room in our life to get to know our neighbor. But God, I ask that you would help us to, to walk in the great commandment, God, to love the na- our neighbors as ourselves. Lord, that we wouldn't be judgmental, We wouldn't allow fear or temperament or busyness to stop us, God, that we would love the way that you love, God, that we would love our neighbors in action, God. 
And Lord, help us to love you better. God, that we would see our love for our neighbors as a gauge for our love for you. We love you better, God. God, we praise you, and we do love you, Lord. God, speak to us on this, Lord, that we would pray for our neighbors. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.